Thanks, you guys. Hey, good evening. How's everybody doing? Good? All right, I'd just like to get a glimpse of all the faces, see where everybody's sitting. I got in here a little later than normal, so I'm getting calibrated. You know, it's really interesting for me. I was just thinking about this in, as we were worshiping. Um, it seems for me sometimes like, you know, if I saw you last Saturday, this is seven days, a week later, and it seems like forever sometimes. And I really love you guys, and I really miss you. And so when I see you, I just, I just get excited. And, I, and just, it dawned on me that it's because we're family, right? We, as I understand Scripture, we're the body of Christ. We're the family of God. And so you are my brothers and my sisters in Christ. And it's good to be with family, I hope, right? So we're not just here to, to learn about the Lord. That's, that's great, right? We're not just here to worship the Lord. That's great too. But we're, we're here because we're family. We, we belong together. The Lord did that for us on the cross. And so we are brothers and sisters in, in Christ. Brian, you're my, you're my brother and I love you. And we're brothers and sisters. And I hope and pray that as we do this, as we gather, that we're, be, that we're becoming better at what, that, what it means to be the body of Christ, what it means to be family. Are you being a good brother? And are you being a good sister? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor, but I'm your brother in Christ. For me personally, you guys, you're really good at being brothers and sisters to me. I just want to say thank you. I hope and I challenge you in the weeks and months or maybe years ahead that you really contemplate and wrestle with what God would have for you as a brother or a sister in Christ here at this church. We're a family and then we're part of a bigger family with other brothers and sisters in Christ and, and that we become a healthier family, a vibrant family so that we can do what God's called us to do because sometimes when, you know, I'm, this is one body. If my body's healthy, I can do what I'm called to do. If it's unhealthy, it, it impairs me from doing what I need to do. The same with the body of Christ. I hope and pray that we wrestle with what it means to be healthier brothers and sisters in Christ to one another. Are you being family? I hope so. Because God has work for us to do. And if the body's healthy, we can just get more stuff done. Who put this here? Did you do that, Karen? I love you, Karen, my sister. It's good to be with you guys. I, I really am just so grateful for you guys. I, I love this family. I do. I love this family. You guys are so good to me. And from what I can tell, so good to one another. But if God's challenging you to say, what do you need to do in the near future to ramp up what it means to be part of the family of God, the body of Christ, then pay attention to that, please. There's a... There's a story of a, a tiny a pygmy who's standing over a rhinoceros that, that he had killed. And this was clearly an odd sight, this big, violent rhinoceros under the feet of a pygmy. And so a certain gentleman happened upon the scene and he asked, did you kill that rhinoceros? And the pygmy replied, you know it. Being very curious, the man asked, so how did you, a tiny little pygmy, kill this rhinoceros? And he answered, with my club. Yep, I killed this rhinoceros with my club. And the man, still thoroughly confused, asked, well, <laughs> how big is your club? 
And the pygmy said, there's about a hundred of us in my club. You've got a family. You can do big stuff. You can take down some rhinoceroses when we are a family. We're part of a big club, church. And sometimes we lose sight of that, don't we? And we get in our own little worlds and we kind of disappear and we forget that we're in the most important, the most powerful, the biggest club in the world. And God has some rhinoceroses for us if we would recognize that. Another one, similar but different, similar. Let's say a, a football team. If, if a football team's unified, it doesn't mean that everyone's playing the same position. It does mean that everyone is heading to the same goal line, doesn't it? If an orchestra is harmonious, it's not because they're all playing the same instrument. It's because they're all playing the same song. If a choir is singing a, uh, in great harmony, it's not because they're all singing the same parts. It's because they're adding their part to the same song. It's the goal that produces the unity. Unity is not same. This unity has to do with same purpose. We must always get back to purpose. If we understand our purpose, then it's just easier for us to be in unity. It's easier for us to be a family when we focus on our purpose. Amen? Let me give you the outline for our passage in Ephesians 11 through 22. In verses 11, 12, and 13, he starts off by saying, you, you were far off. You had nothing to do with me. But you who were far off, I made you near. You are now near because of what Christ did on the cross. And that was us. We are all now near to our Heavenly Father because of what Christ did for us. We'll, we'll have this up um, for longer than a second, just so you know. And then verses 14 through 18, where Jesus came to bring peace. He came to bring peace. We, of all people, should be at peace. We of all people, because that's what he came to bring. Peace with one another and, and peace with our God. And if those are lacking in either one of those categories, something's wrong. We should be at peace with one another. And we should be at peace with our God. That's the price that Christ paid on the cross to restore peace with each other and peace with our heavenly Savior and our heavenly, heavenly Lord. And then lastly, in verses 19 through 22, that we are a holy house. When He brings peace and when He unites us under the banner of Jesus Christ, we're, we're His. He, he dwells amongst us. This, this is a church building where God's, this is a building where God's church meets. God dwells within His followers. He dwells within us through His Holy Spirit. And so we are a holy house. A holy people, a people for God's own possession, a people of purpose. In the same way that God brought peace to us for one another and to Him, He has that same purpose for us as a church to introduce the peace of Christ to others and say, Welcome, 
welcome to the family. I can't imagine my life without you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. I can't even imagine it. I can't. And to know that there are literally billions of my brothers and sisters all around the world. What a blessing. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Let's leave that outline up just in case people are still taking notes. But even as I read, it might be good to keep that outline up. So we're going to read Ephesians 2, 11 through 22, and then we're going to pray. All right. What a privilege. This is just such a privilege. Thank you so much. Verse 11. Therefore, church, therefore remember that formerly you, the the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember, he says it again. He says it in verse 11. He says it again in verse 12. Remember that you were at that time. This blows, blows, there's five things here. That you were at that time. You were separate from Christ. You were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers to the covenants of promise. You had no hope. And you were without God in the world. That was us. Earlier in the week when I read this, it just made me weep. Both the sad condition I was in and the great condition that I'm in now because of Christ. We were separate from Christ, excluded from His family, strangers to His word, No hope and without God in the world. That was us, church. But now, right? Last week in verse 4, it was but God. But now in Christ, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. For He Himself is our peace. He Himself is our peace. Who made both groups into one, Jew and Gentile. And He broke down that barrier by abolishing in his flesh the enmity which is the the law of commandments contained in ordinances so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace. And he might reconcile them uh, both in one body to God through the cross by having put to death the enmity. Is that me? I've never uh, sparked before. That's pretty exciting. Verse 17, He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Hmm. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. We all need peace. For through Him we both have access to, or in one spirit, to God the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. And you're of God's household having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Let's pray. God, we thank You for Your mighty Word. We thank You, Lord, that You've invited us into Your family that we put our faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ. You adopt us as Your own. We are forever grateful. Lord, you bring peace. May we also be people that proclaim peace and invite people to the peace that we know that we have found in Christ Jesus. 
Lord, have your way with us this evening. It's in your name we pray and everyone said, Amen. So our first stanza, now near. Let's read verses 11, 12, and 13 again. Therefore remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were separate, excluded, strangers, no hope, and without God. Wow. But now in Christ, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So, there's so much to get into here. I just don't have time, right? So some terms that we just read in here, right? Jew and Gentile. Right? So there's just some opposite terms. You had Jews or you had Gentiles. You had circumcision or uncircumcision. You had clean and unclean. And there's others. Wise, foolish, light, darkness. Those are some biblical terms back in the day between Jew and Gentile. And today we might use terms like Christian or non-Christian, saved or unsaved, believer or unbeliever. But whatever the language and whatever period of time we're talking about, what Paul is pointing out here is that it's not about being a privileged people. We have God's Word. We have God's covenants. And you don't. It's not about that. If you miss it, what he's pointing out is that it's not about the haves and the have-nots. It's about being people of purpose. It's about being people of purpose. That's the undercurrent of these verses. That the people that he chose, the Jewish nation, they were people of purpose to point people, not only themselves, but to point the other nations to Christ. To point the entire world to Christ. talk and see what happens. I'm so sorry. I don't know if I'm doing something different. My apologies. So, our purpose, church, our purpose is to be preachers, to be proclaimers, to point people to peace, which is found in and only in Jesus Christ. We are to be people of purpose. We are are people of purpose. Last week in Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10, we discussed the following. If you remember that in verses 1 and 2, he's, Paul wrote you, which represented the Gentiles. Remember that? The you? Who is the you in verse 1 and verse 2? And then the we in verse 3 refers to, as Paul's writing, to the, to the Jewish people. So the, the you in verse 1 and 2, and the we in ver, is the Gentiles, and the we in verse 3 is the Jewish people. And they were both dead in their trespasses and sins. And so this is the continuation of that understanding. And then we saw that, that, pivotal, that pivotal two words in verse 4, but God. Remember that from last week? But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us. Right? Even when we, Jews and Gentiles, were dead in our transgressions, He made us alive together with Christ. So out of his love and concern for these new followers of Christ, Paul, a Jew, is reminding the people of Ephesus, these Gentiles, that they, listen, 
that they belong. Too many people sit in church, they've given their lives to Jesus Christ, they recognize that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, their Savior, but they don't have a sense of belonging, and it's sad. And Paul wants us all to know, I'm telling you, it's so prevalent in the church. We sit in church and we have this head knowledge, but we sit sometimes like we don't belong. But Paul wants them to know that, that they belong, that you belong, regardless of what your sin looked like. And that's what he talks about in the earlier part of chapter 2. Paul wants these Gentile people to know that they belong. They're no different that they're rich in Christ. That they are adopted sons and daughters and have obtained an inheritance. And that they have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. All of us. And I think sometimes we, we don't recognize that to the degree that we should. And so we find ourselves, if you will, on the fringes of Christianity on the fringes with God, on the fringes with our very family. Because perhaps sometimes we don't treat them that way, like they belong, like they're no different, that they are rich, that they are adopted sons and daughters, that they have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Sometimes we just need to do a better job of being the family of God and loving our broken brothers and sisters just like Christ loved us when we were very, very broken. Look at, let's look at Romans chapter 2. Go to Romans 2, so the left of Ephesians. This is pretty heavy stuff, but we'll get through it. That's a typo. This screen's a typo on my part. It's 17 through 29. It says 19, but it's 29. I messed that up. So if you like a lot of verses, then this is good news for you. Okay, Romans 2. So check this out. But if... <laughs> If you bear the name Jew or Christian, if you bear the name Jew and rely upon the law and you boast in God and you know his will and you approve the things that are essential, being instructed out of his word, and you are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those are, who are in darkness, a corrector of the foolish, a teacher of the immature, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and of the truth, you therefore who teach another, <laughs> do you not teach yourself? You who preach that, one shall not steal. Do you steal? You who say that one should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law through your breaking the law, do you dishonor God? See, this is what the law proves to us that whether we're the givers of the law, Jewish, or we don't, we're not given the law, Gentiles, we're all messed up. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, just as it is written. For indeed, circumcision is of value if you practice the law. But if you are a transgressor of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. So if the uncircumcised man keeps the requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? And he who is physically uncircumcised, if he keeps the law, will he not judge you who, though having the letter of the law and circumcision, are a transgressor? And these, the, this is really what he's saying. He's not a Jew who was one outwardly. That's the point. We're not, we're not anything outwardly. He is not a Jew who was one outwardly. Nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But we are true Jews, true followers, inwardly. When God does the circumcision of the heart, we are marked inwardly by the Holy Spirit in our hearts. 
right? Circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter, and His praise is not from men, but from God. And so that's what Paul is trying to say, is that we all have issues from those who had all the things given to them, the Jewish people, and those who had arguably nothing given to them were all in need of Christ because none of us can create righteousness on our own because if we transgress one law, Scripture says we're guilty of them all. So it's always good to be reminded of who we were. It's always good to be reminded of who we were. And that's what Paul does here. Remember who you were, he says. But more importantly, it's good to be reminded of who we are. It's good to be reminded who we were, but it's also, and more importantly, good to be reminded who we are. See, look at verse 11, going back to Ephesians 2. In verse 11, he says, Therefore remember that formerly you, and then he goes on to say some stuff, remember that formerly, and then in verse 12, he says essentially the same thing. Remember that you were at that time separate. And he lists a bunch of other things. And then in verse 13, the same thing. But now in Christ, you who formerly were far off. And so formerly, we were, as I've already mentioned, we were separate. We were excluded. We were strangers. We were hopeless. We were godless. Raise your hand if you were ever at one point in your life separate from Christ. The second part says that we were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. Raise your hand if you were not part of God's family. If you were excluded from Christ, you were not part of God's family. Raise your hand if you were strangers to the covenants of promise, God's word. And it says that we had no hope. You may not have known it, but I got to a place of feeling hopeless, to be honest with you. I did. And I dropped to my knees. I felt hopeless because I recognized that I was without God. This is what the last thing says. That's a very horrible place to be, church. And perhaps we're not there anymore. But others are. There are others that are separate from Christ, excluded from God's family, strangers to His Word. They're hopeless because they're without God in the world. God really beat me up this week in regards to this. As mentioned, what is true about them currently, that's who, they, that's who we were, that's who the Gentiles were. But currently, you and I, we belong, we're no different, we're rich in Christ, we are adopted sons and daughters, we have obtained an inheritance, and we have been brought near by the blood of Christ. But how? But how did that happen? Well, we just said it, it happened by Christ, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah, which is the anointed one. First. Timothy 2, 3-7 through 7 says, says this, This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires everybody to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the one who makes things right, and that is Christ Jesus. He gave Himself as a ransom for all the testimony given at the proper time. We and any healthy church makes a big deal about Christ because outside of Christ, we have nothing. Outside of Christ, we have nothing. It's what it means to be, for us to be Christian. And so we point all of our attention and all of our affection and all of our understanding to what Christ did 
on the cross. Check this out. In verse 12, there's, there's, there's a couple of things in verse 12 and, and, and one in verse 12 and two in verse 13. In verse 12, there's uh, separate from Christ. Right? Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ. In verse 13 says, but, but, but now in Christ, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So we were separate from Christ, but now in Christ, we're brought near by the blood of Christ. If that doesn't boil it down to a real simple equation, it's all about Christ. It's all about Christ. And sadly, if that's true, the things that we formerly were, that we are no longer, sadly, too many Christians are still living what I would call a formerly life. When he says that formerly you were this, and remember that you were that. Remember, and he has those five things in verse 12, that you were separate, excluded, strangers, hopeless, and without God. Are we still acting like who we were before Christ? Are we still acting like who we were before Christ? Are we still acting these five things today that we find in verse 12? Perhaps many of these five things in, in, in verse 12 are still part of your everyday life. You feel, the first one, you feel separate from Christ. Hey, look, be honest. Have you ever at times felt distant from the Lord or felt like the Lord was distant from you? Sure, that, that happens. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a perpetual every day, months or years where you're going, man, I just, I don't know. I feel separate from Christ. That's not good. Because that's not what Christ came to do, to do, right? That's who we were. It's not who we are. And so if it's who you are today, something needs to get right there. Do you, do you feel excluded from the body of Christ? That's what the second one says. Remember, you were, you were separate from Christ. You were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. You feel excluded from the body of Christ. If you feel excluded from the body of Christ, we need to get that corrected. It's, that's who we were. That's not who we are. That's who we were before Christ. It's not who we are in Christ. We shouldn't feel separated from Christ. We shouldn't feel excluded from the body of Christ. And then the third one says, you were strangers to the covenants of promise. Do you, are you a stranger to His Word? If you're a stranger to His Word, that's, that's who you were. That's not who you are. That's who you were. We're not to be strangers to His Word. That's who we were. It's not who we are. And then it says that we, having no hope, <laughs> hopelessness is real, man. It's real. And it can permeate in the church because we're fallible, right? We're weak sometimes and, 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 and things just happen, right? I got a text last night at 7.05 from, from a sister in Christ and she's hopeless. It's tough. That's not the way it's supposed to be. And we can get those things corrected because Christ set us free from that stuff. That's who we were. It's not who we are. And so if it's who we are, something needs to get recalibrated, Right? And then it says that we were without God in the world. We may believe in God, but somehow He, he seems elusive to us and we feel alone. We feel without Him. We feel separate from Christ and we feel that God is elusive to us. And so something's not right. And so I would implore you, 
to explore that. Because that's who we were before Christ. And in Christ, we're not those things anymore. That's who we were. That's who we formerly were. It's how we formerly lived. Hmm. Benjamin Ratcliffe is a, is a professor at the University of Notre Dame, and he wrote an article called An Epidemic of Hopelessness with a question mark. Are we experiencing an epidemic of hopelessness? He says, mortality is on the rise because of higher levels of suicide and greater numbers of drug and alcohol overdoses. People are increasingly taking their own lives or living with reckless disregard for their health and safety. Furthermore, there are higher rates of other maladies short of death, like declines in health, mental health, and the ability to conduct the daily activities of life. The study illustrates the sad reality that what we are observing is an epidemic of hopelessness. The world continues to grant more and more freedoms, and yet hopelessness flourishes and upsurges at the same time. Our second stanza, peaceful presence, the peaceful presence of Christ. Let's read 14 through 18 of Ephesians 2. For he himself is our peace. He made both groups into one, and he abolished in his flesh the enmity, which is the law. Uh, in com of commandments contained in ordinances so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace. And he might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by having it put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to those far away and peace to those who were near, meaning Jew and Gentile. For through him, through him, we both have our access in one spirit 